You're listening to another episode of the Choose to Think podcast. About once a month, I step away from our routine and scout out a local shining star. In today's episode, if you don't know him, you'll meet Ken Glass, the pharmacist and owner of Railroad Drug in Midway, Kentucky and you are in for a treat. When you walk into Railroad Drug, it's like walking into your grandma's house. There are racks of candy, a fridge full of cold drinks, and ice cream. The atmosphere drips with nostalgia and warm vibes from the black and white checkered floor and the red top stools at the counter to the ancient and might I say giant apothecary records book on display in the back. Ken and his wife, Amanda, have created an ambiance that both welcomes and serves. It's a delicious mix of past and present. You may just walk out the door thinking you are the most important person in the world by the way you're treated. It is truly health care at its finest. The interview was conducted live in the store during business hours, so occasionally you may hear Ken greet a customer or two. You might just hear the phone ringing, someone being served at the soda fountain up front, or the faint whistle of the train as it chugs down Main Street. I loved everything about this interview. It's been both the hardest and the easiest to conduct. Easy, well, because it's Ken. Hard, because he shared so much awesomeness that I had no idea what to cut. Now, disclosure, two of my sons have worked with Ken in the shop, as we call it. You'll hear him talk about Getty during the interview. Let's just say that my mother's heart just about busted with pride. Stay tuned toward the end because although Ken is extraordinary, wait till you hear what he says about faith and family. And say, if you have a moment, please rate, share, and write a review for me. Your words of encouragement are so valuable. I also have a listener support tab, just in case you would consider donating to help others learn about God and His Word and find inspiration and hope in their journey to choose to think. We're going to jump right into this conversation. Ken had already tuned me in on his background, telling me how he was born and raised in Round County. As a matter of fact, his dad owned and operated the original Dairy Queen there in downtown Moorhead. Ken graduated from UK with a pharmacy degree and later went on to work for both chain pharmacies as well as an independently owned store. He's a huge UK fan, by the way. Now, he arrived to a point in his career where he found himself struggling with the inevitable chain store push for increased revenue, and he longed to offer clients a more personalized and meaningful experience. He and his wife, Amanda, had moved to Midway, and it was on a stroll downtown that his heart strings were getting pulled big time. Ken started with a vision, and 10 years later, his vision is a bustling and integral component of our beautiful town of Midway. I'm going to let the various clips play, and I'll meet you on the other side with my higher ground takeaways. Come on into Railroad Drug, have a seat, and let's listen. One summer, I guess it was probably 2009, um, I was pushing my um, two-year-old son, Caden, who's now 12, mm-hmm. um, in a, I was pulling him in an old wagon and like a, like a, what are those flyer, radio flyer yes, wagons? So I was pulling him in one of those and we live up, up the hill. And so we came down here and we're, we're pulling through town here and I, you know, I passed by this old building and I, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, I'd always known it was here because it had been empty for a long time. And I would always kind of stop and look in the window and I could see in my head, you know, imagining this soda fountain here and, um, you know, a pharmacy way in the back, you know, the building's really big. And I just thought, you know, that would be so neat. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I 
would stop and look in here and it had been for sale for a long time. And one night I was laying there and Amanda, my wife was, you know, beside me. And, and I said, you know, that old building is for sale down there. I said, I would love to put an old pharmacy and the old soda fountain in that. And she was like, you know, you should do that. And I'm like, are you crazy? You know, I we haven't mm-hmm. saved any money for that. <laughs> you know, we, you know, we, at, at the time she, um, you know, she was still driving to Louisville to work. And, um, you know, it was, it, we were in the middle of the recession kind of was starting yes. the housing recession and all that. So nobody was wanting to lend. And I thought, you know, there's no way. And so ironically, as the weeks kind of went on, um, I just felt a very big draw, a very big pull to, to kind of look into that. And when I started railroad drug, I wanted, um, you know, I kind of took what I knew from, the parts that I liked about working, the parts that I thought worked well at a chain store versus the personal touch of the independent that I worked for. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I worked for him, I just noticed the difference in the way that he interacted with his clientele. You know, they just, he knew them, they knew them. It was very informal. And I, and that's something that I actually didn't mention before, but I noticed that he would come in some days in a Tommy Bahama shirt and flip flops and, <laughs> It, which sounds so unprofessional, mm-hmm. but you, but his personal touch with his customers was, I still have never known a pharmacist that had that much trust from his customer base. Because when you think about it, when I stand there in a white coat, to some people, they see professional. To other people, they're intimidated. They feel like they think that I think I'm better than them. Mm-hmm. I have a doctorate. You're taking mm-hmm. up my time. You know, that feeling, even though that's not the way I feel, it's it's a persona that that gives off. Mm-hmm. Now, if I want to put my white coat on and be around other pharmacists or other doctors or whatever, that's one thing. But that's not the experience that I want you to have when you come in here. I want you to come in here but before you ever even make it to the counter. I want somebody, if it's not me, somebody else greeting you by your first name. You know, I don't want that informal experience because if it's or that formal experience, because if it's informal, if it's personal, you know, if it's intimate, it has that feeling of it it makes you feel important and you feel that way because you are important. You you do matter to me. You're and that's a twofold thing. One is, you know, you're you're my customer. You are letting me give you a service that you could give to eight other pharmacies in this county, but you're trusting me with that or me with your kid's prescription or whatever. And I don't take that lightly. In addition to that, you know, I also want you to know that not do I just want your business, but I'm your neighbor. Like I live here. This is my town too. And I want to know you and I want to know about you. And I know about your kids because when I go once a year up there to the, to the occupation thing. And I sit in a room and different classes of kids come in, you know, and they know me as Mr. Ken at the ice cream store. Like I want that feeling. Um, And, you know, I think when you talk about that personal touch, you know, that's so important. I feel like to try to be able to do that, which is kind of the, you know, ambiance of railroad drug when you come in here anyway, it's the feeling of the building, the feeling of staff. Hey man, how are you? And then, um, but yet, to be able to still functionally do all of the things that a big chain can do, whether it's electronic prescribing or compounding or vaccines or whatever that is, 
you know, we're going to be able to do that for you. Flu shots. Absolutely. Flu shots, pneumonia shots, shingles vaccines when I can get it. Home place at Midway um, has been and still continues to be a very integral part of railroad drug. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that exists on a couple of different levels. Bye, gal. Bring the sun with you next time you come, Lee. It's getting something. I don't know what, but it's Kentucky. Right. So if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. Right. Very true. So, um, you know, I feel the home place has been really a, a phenomenal addition, first of all, to this community. This community has needed that. Um and to say that that's the most impressive nursing home in the state of Kentucky mm-hmm. is an understatement. It is. There is nothing like it. Um, the, the patient experience there is so unique. Mm-hmm. You know, each building has 12 beds with a gourmet kitchen and their own nurse and a fully staffed building. Mm-hmm. You know, when people go to nursing homes, whether it be to, you know, to, you know, admit a loved one or just to go volunteer or whatever, you know, it's not the nicest concept. It is a very sad place mm-hmm. to go. It's usually pretty dreary, sometimes has an odor. It just has that from the second you walk in there. Hey, guys, hey there. from the second you walk into that, you have this feeling of I just don't see Johnny. Have a good day, buddy. You too. You have this feeling of dread. Mm-hmm. The home place is not that way. When you go in there. Lots of natural light, lots of pretty colors. Something's cooking in the kitchen on a, in a gourmet pot that smells great. And there's Frank Sinatra playing on a radio. And, you know, and it is just, you know, it is a, it is something that is something to behold as, as, a, as a healthcare professional that has seen not the nicest of places in the past it is an amazing place and how and it has affected railroad drug obviously our bottom line substantially um Mm -hmm. because long-term care patients are paid in paid in a different way Mm -hmm. from insurance companies because we have to do extra things you know meaning packing their medications delivering them all that kind of stuff and so um traditionally a long-term care pharmacy is Mm -hmm. compensated for those things so it's a little more lucrative Mm -hmm. um to get into that Part. And so, which makes it nice because you have your community business here and then you've got a little long-term care business there. And I think something that gets lost in bigger pharmacy is exactly what you said. You're like, I want, I want to know an answer and I would like to know quicker than not. Um, whereas here, you know, we want, like I said, we want you to know that we're going to be able to be as professional with you mm-hmm. as you would get anywhere else. But we also want you to know that we're not looking at you as a social security number. We're not looking at you as a copay. Is your copay what pays my bills? Of course it is. Do I want your copay? Absolutely. I want them all. But I also have to answer for that behavior because I'm also your neighbor. If you and I are walking our dogs and crisscross each other on the street, if you don't like me, then that's probably I'm going to have to answer for that at some point. I don't get to just send you on your merry way and never see you again. So, um, you know, I, I just I feel like that. Railroad drug is a really nice kind of combination of, a, of that kind of thing. And the personal touch is, um, like you see, when people come in here, I, you've seen it throughout this interview. Yeah. I don't really I don't really address anybody unless it's somebody that I feel like prefers to be addressed that way. Um, I'm usually calling them by their first name. And they call me by my first name. I don't ask for them to call me Mr. Glass or Dr. Glass. I want, I want them to call me Kim.
and because when unfortunately a lot of times we've been here 10 years so we've seen a lot of patients come here and they've grown older and you know, they've passed away and and you know i feel like you know when we go to their funerals and and, and when i'm there with their families you know i feel like I was part of that person's mm. life, not just the person putting the pills in the bottle for them. You've given such a great description on on the nostalgia that's created here, the customer service that's prob I would say is unparalleled. I mean, even as we're talking, I'm like, I, I just now got you on such a pedestal. I'm like, Ken Glass. I mean, you, you just come don't know, everybody. You just, don't, you just don't know a lot of pharmacists then or, or a lot of good people. That's that's an unfair an unfair compliment. I mean, I think you're going the mile, the extra mile, big time, and mission accomplished in establishing this type of atmosphere. Amanda and I, you know, have been very blessed in that we have had phenomenal, a phenomenal staff, you know, and I think that, you know, what you try to, you know, I, I want the staff to feel, I always hated going to work and, and feeling, I don't know if unhappy is a strong word, but just mm-hmm. kind of malcontent. You're just yeah, kind of like, mm. and what I try to tell the people that I work with is look like even Zach, right? He's working up here. I spend more time with Zach than I do with my own wife. <laughs> if I don't like Zach, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> If I don't like Jessica, we're going to have a problem. If Anthony and I have an issue, we're going to have a problem. I see these people more than I see my own children. Mm -hmm. They are important to me. They're they're important to me. Hey, Phil. They're important to me in all that. It's but not on a business level. And and I think sometimes that's maybe come back to bite me a little bit. um, Because I think when you have a personal relationship with your employees, there are sometimes some employees that might take advantage of that but all in all that has not been the case and i and i and um they are just so good and they work so hard and i wish i could pay them all ten dollars more an hour than i pay them now i just you know it, it, it that's that's probably one of the most frustrating things when you're an owner mm-hmm. is to want want to compensate the help more than the business will allow. It's very, very frustrating. Um, and I feel like that with my entire staff. I have, they are just so great. And I think we talked a little bit about when you talk about the kids that work in the soda fountain, whereas, you know, Jessica and Anthony, you know, and even Zach too, you know, a level of professionalism, they're older. Um, you know, I trust them. If I have to be off, I know that they're, you know, that they're taking care of the, of the business and the way it needs to be handled. Um, you know, when you talk about the kids that come in here and we talk about how socially inept they are from when they first get here, um, whether that be from just constant cell phone use or whatever, they just seem to be lacking in that face-to-face um, productive human interaction concept. And so, you know, we really, and by we, I mean me, you know, it's funny, you'll, you'll hear, you know, I've heard one of them tell another one, now look, can never get, we'll never get mad at you. But if you don't say hi to people when they walk in and <laughs> smile, he's going to get upset. And so because they are the first impression, you know, and I tell them that, you know, people will get the first impression of railroad drug um, from the way that you interact with them. And I don't need it to be formal. I don't need it to be welcome to railroad drug. I just need you to look at somebody when they open the door and smile and say, 
you know, hey, Bob, how's it going? I'll be right with you. You know, and, and, you know, I think that just starts the whole experience off well. And for what we do for a living, I think it's really important because a lot of people when they come in here, you know, if you come in the soda fountain, that's one thing. Everybody's happy when they're getting ice cream. But when you come to a pharmacy, that either means you feel bad or somebody you love feels bad. And so you're already in a negative. The the connotation Mm -hmm. is already negative. You're already starting underneath square one. Right. And so how do we get somebody from that level uh, to walking out with a smile? Feeling cared for. Right. And and so, you know, it's and I think I think it's everything from you know, that personal interaction to calling them by name, to respecting their time, to try mm-hmm. to get them out efficiently, mm-hmm. to being there for them, whether that be if you need to talk to me now, you're going to have my time. You're not going to have to wait 20 minutes to talk to me. Give me a mm-hmm. second. Let me get down the steps. I'll be right mm-hmm. there. Or here's my cell phone. If you think of something later, call me. Mm-hmm. Don't think twice about it. Call me. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that. I think it's all of those things. Um, I just think it's a, an accumulation of a lot of the of those little things together that make people think to themselves, Hey, you know, this is all right. Hey, Linda, how are you? Um, I just think that, you know, it is very rewarding. And I think what you see with these young kids is once that develops and I try to tell them, look, you're not going to be working in soda fountain your whole life. I mean, if you do, that's great, but you're not going to, So use this. I need to use you to do this, but you can use this to better what you're going to become. And, you know, it's, you know, they're, you know, you're teaching them that human interaction. It's probably one of the, one one of the greatest things that I got out of, you know, fraternities catch a really bad rap. But when I was at fraternity, uh, both pharmacy fraternity and then in an undergrad fraternity for a year, you know, the focus is so heavily weighed on, how do you interact with your mm-hmm. fellow man? How, how do you, how do you make that other, and, and you're talking about the man to male to male man interaction, sure. but it doesn't have to be a, a, a sexist thing. I it understand. can be man to woman or woman to woman. Absolutely. But when they're teaching you that interaction, it's how, how can I interact with you mm-hmm. that conveys how much I respect you and you mm-hmm. feel that, but commands your respect back. Mm-hmm. And it's that, and you can do that without making somebody feel inferior. Mm-hmm. There's a way of doing that. And when you can establish that, that's that trust thing, especially from pharmacist to patient. But mm-hmm. it's also from Ken to Victoria. You know, mm-hmm. I want you to feel both of those things mm-hmm. because I feel like that that will be what obviously continue, helps you to continue coming in here. Mm-hmm. But of all of my employees, you know, your son has been the most unique um, Getty um, in that. You know, when he first came to me as this, this kid, this 17 year old kid, and, and he, you know, I, I had him in the soda fountain and, you know, and he was a little quieter, not not socially inept, just kind of that quiet kind of guy. And, um, and people just really were drawn to him. And I, and I and I really noticed that first in the soda fountain, how many people um, really enjoyed their interaction with Getty, you know, and um and I would watch him too. And even though he was kind of quiet, he always seems to be very, he always has his listening ears on. Mm-hmm. Like he always is soaking in what is going on around him. He's soaking up what you're saying to him. Um, and it makes him very quietly confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew really early on 
that his intellectual capacity, along with his desire to learn things, was put him in a position that I knew that he needed to be back in the pharmacy and not up here. Um, and from the time that I brought him back there, just, you know, cause it's a lot to digest. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's everything from learning the multiple software programs to learning the patient pharmacy interaction to understanding our professional relationships with doctor's offices to, mm-hmm. um, it, which, you know, and again, you know, he, he's always been so good about trying, you know, when, when I would try to, you know, you, it's funny how you can try to teach something, but you can also teach by your actions. And good employees or colleagues will kind of soak up mm-hmm. some of, you know, your behaviors Absolutely. that work really well. And so I think once he noticed, one thing is a perfect example, is when you talk to nursing staff at a doctor's office. You know, they've been around sick people all day. They've been yelled at. They have been talked down to mm-hmm. all day long. And you talk to them and they are not happy. It's like, take a second, laugh with them on the phone, make mm-hmm. crack a joke, you know, mm-hmm. tell them, you know, do something. And what happens there is, is again, now you have doctor's offices that want to call us that mm-hmm. enjoy that interaction. And we enjoy that interaction with them. They're mm-hmm. colleagues of ours. We are not the doctors versus the pharmacists, the mm-hmm. nurses versus the pharmacists. We're all on one big team mm-hmm. for you. And you, when you have that, when people call and they're like, hey, Ken, it's Rose. I know Rose is at this doctor's office and I probably already know who she's calling me about. Like, we know what's going on. And I feel like Getty did such a great job of really soaking up all of that knowledge. And he has been, you know, such a blessing um, to Amanda and I because, you know, again, when I'm gone, if I'm off for a day or I'm on vacation, somebody comes in and inevitably if there's an issue or whatever they and you know, they say can I talk to Ken and they say Ken's gone they don't ask for the other pharmacist they're asking for Getty yeah. and Getty because I think one thing is one he obviously knows what he's doing but two I think we come back to that very calm demeanor that he yeah. has that very in control um and like I said it at times if you don't know him it almost seems apathetic it almost seems like he mm-hmm. doesn't like he doesn't care, um, but it's just that even keel, steady water, you know, thing. And steady I think, getting. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think that that absolutely, um, I think for whoever he works for or even as his own boss down the road, I think one of his many attributes that will make him successful, I think that one very much ranks up there because mm-hmm. – you know, to, to, to have, you know, a, to have an important business, to be your own mm-hmm. business owner, um, that's not for the faint of heart and it's mm-hmm. stressful. And the job we do is very stressful. We handle people's medication all day and all it takes is to look the other way one time and you've killed somebody. You've given yeah. them the wrong medicine. You've killed How a toddler. How do you handle that stress? Um, it's the longer you work, the more comfortable you get with it. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's kind of what I try to tell them, try to tell the staff is it's like, look, we, we, we have our system of checks and balances and you need to be adherent to those. And if you're not, then, then I will have an issue, but yeah. they're always really good about doing that. But it's, yeah, it's definitely, we, that's how you're taught. You're basically mm-hmm. taught, you know, our job isn't, mm-hmm. you know, our job is to catch the doctor's mistake, the nurse's mistake, the receptionist's mistake, my own staff's mistakes, mm-hmm. 
and lot. all that stuff. And if I don't That's catch them all, then you're in danger. Yeah. And so it's, it, it is a little, mm. <laughs> at times it can be a little stressful. I think so. But like we come back to that chain store mentality, you know, mm. you're, you come in there and they're filling a thousand prescriptions in a time frame. They should only be filling 200 way right. understaffed. And yeah, you can, I can promise you those pharmacists feel very uneasy. When I'm sure. Okay. So when you lock the door at the end of the day, and let's say nobody calls you on one night. What do you do? So I obviously I have three children, but two of my children are still of school age, so 12 and 9. So usually when I walk in the door, it's usually supper time. So depending on how hungry they are, I might be eating while they're already almost done. But most of the time they wait for me, um, which is nice because at, at, at previous places that I've worked at, you know, that's not always been the case. You know, there are plenty of times where I work at a pharmacy that – you know, closed at like 10 and, and maybe I don't have, um, didn't have the time to actually eat with my family. And so that's something I really enjoy. Um, the two things, which would be, uh, being able to eat dinner every night with my family and being able to tuck my kids into bed. Um, I feel like that that is, it's a very brief period of time in your day that even as a child, I think when you, the things you remember as a kid, you know, you can remember bedtime you can remember dinner time you know and you know you remember other things too but i think those are important to be there when they wake up and to be there when they go to bed if you can and if you can't that's understandable too because i've had those positions as well but railroad drug has afforded me that that blessing and um it's one that i'm very thankful for um we talked about your your dad owning the dairy queen mm -hmm. in moorhead is he still living he's not so he passed away when i was 18 what um, would he say about you now? What oh how gosh. would he feel about what you're doing right now? That's a great question. My dad was very Getty-ish. He was really? very not yeah. me, you know, or I'm very chatty. <laughs> he was not that way. Um, and so um very, very reserved um business owner, obviously on the Dairy Queen. And you know, I hope I've I hope I've made him as proud as, as I possibly could and in following kind of in his entrepreneurial footsteps. But um you know, it's, I was 18 when he passed away. Yeah. He's a heart attack and first one. And, and so, you know, it, 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 you know, on some, on some level, I think, um, so between that and then I actually became a father at 19, six months after that, um, I feel like, um, you know, I did a lot of growing up really quick and, but I don't know that I would wish anything different. I, I feel like there are people that maybe can take some challenge in life and use it as excuses for failure or use as excuses for not trying to accomplish the things in life. I can't do that. I can't afford that. I can't do that. Um, but then again, I think there are people and I hope that I've been one of those that, you know, you take one on the chin and you just get back up and you say, bring it on. And, and I think that's kind of the way, the way that life is. And I hope that, bye, see ya. Be, be careful. Um, you know, I think that the, um, you know, I know that he had to work really hard, my father, that is, at, at becoming a business owner and, and all of that. And so, um, you know, I would like to hope that he's, hope that he's proud of me, at least to some degree. Railroad drug would not be here without Amanda. It's not, and it's not, that's not even debatable. Um, and, and that's, and that's probably on multiple levels. And I'll tell you why that is, you know, for you, you know, you mentioned from its inception and that's very much, very, very true because she, 
um, really kind of stayed on me. I had told her about wanting to do that and, and she really stayed on me and told me I would regret it if I didn't. And, um, you know, and you're just so, you're just, it's so scary to take that kind of, it's a financial leap. It is a, you know, it, it, you're, you're putting your, your family through some stressful times. Um, you know, it's a, it's cause it's a time obligation because railroad drug is my second wife and it definitely treats me worse than the first. So, um, it, it is, um, you know, she, even to this day, I mean, there, I, if it wasn't for Amanda, I probably would have closed railroad drug a hundred times. Wow. I mean, she, she, and it's just because of, and it's not because it's doing poorly. It's just because there are times I think in business where you feel like things are unfair, especially in healthcare business, when you requ are requiring payments from insurance companies that kind of pay you when they want or take money away when they want. And um, it's just not a normal pay model out of a business. Like if you and I own a restaurant, we buy so much and food costs so much and our, 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 you know, our, all, all everything, all, any of an, ancillary products cost so much and our overhead is this and everything left is profit, right? It doesn't work that way in pharmacy. It's completely different than that because the insurance companies dictate what you get. So it's very frustrating for me. Um, and there have been plenty of times over the last decade where, you know, you just come home and you're like, I just, I don't want to do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. And she would say, are you unhappy? And I would say, no, I just, I'm too frustrated. I can't, just can't do it. And she, you know, it's that, you know, it's that breath of fresh air that just, and she, that's, she'll, she'll say, take a deep breath, relax, take a deep breath. Let's have a beer, sit down, relax for a minute, just She's sleep so, on it. So encouraging. And, and so, so grounded, um, yeah. you know, and I think, and so, and she, um, you know, one thing that, that can be understated is how sound her faith is. And I think that, um, you know, as Christians, you know, we, we uh, practice, um, we're practicing Catholics, but I mean, as, as Christians as a whole, you know, I think that, um, you know, for us, that faith journey is very involved in your business as any big decision is. And, um, and there are times that I lose sight of that. It's so easy to lose sight of what's really important um, because you get so caught up in how do I pay the electric bill, right? That you forget you'll be okay. And she's really great about kind of bringing you around to read whatever I need. There are times where I just need that her to listen to, to, to put an arm around me and yeah. say, get it. And then times where I need her to proverbially slap me across the face and stop whining. You can do this. And you know, she's great at both of those things. You know, I, you know, I feel very grateful just for her on so many levels. So, I mean, just not only that she's a wonderful wife, but she is just a phenomenal mother. Um, and you know, and she's PTO president and she helps me out here and now she's getting ready to get certified to do gym training at the <laughs> workout place. And she's been women's club president and she does all, I mean, she is just, Phenomenal. just an amazingly well-rounded human being, um, you know, who is, who is way better than I, I'm married way up <laughs> and I'm sure she thinks that multiple times a week. Um, but, um, you know, and of course, as a mom, you know, you're so grateful for your kids. I mean, not, you know, my three children, um, two daughters and a son, 
sun sandwiched in between the two, you know, and they're all so different as, you know, your mm-hmm. boys are, you know, it's, yes. you know, I've got my, my athlete who's trying to get into vet school, who's older. And then I've got my technologically mechanically infatuated mm-hmm. son. And then I've got my, my artsy, my artsy mm-hmm. Caroline, who's my, my baby girl. So, um, you know, it's, you know, they have all made me a better man, um, in their own unique way. And I, and I hope at some point, you know, when I'm long gone that they think that I contributed something to something positive to their, to their life because oh. they sure have to me. Um, but you know, you mentioned your faith and I think, you know, I think it's, it's difficult at times to remember how much, how grateful it is to be, you know, it's easy to say thank you for my house and thank you for my, clothes and my food and, and the things which I think are important. Um, but I think to be grateful for your faith, I think is probably the one that I would say comes right after my wife and kids and really probably before, if you want to be honest, I mean, because if you don't have the right kind of relationship with God, then you're going to have a hard time in my opinion with your other stuff. And, um, I've said Amanda does a good job of reminding me of that when I'm on the ledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, your, you know, your son is a very good, and I've talked to him about this. He's just a very good um, example of when you talk about that calm demeanor, that it's not even that everything's going to be okay. It's that I never even got to the point where I was worried to begin with. It's that. And I've told him, I'm like, man, I can wish I could be like you. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. And he said, and he, and, and he says, you know, that's faith. That is, look, if, if, if it all goes wrong, this life is, is a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket. I'm not going to starve. If I got to work, I'll work somewhere that'll put food on the table and put a roof over my head. And so, um, and I love that. I love that mentality. I wish I could be like that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the worrier, you know, I'm the, <laughs> the one who's always thinking three steps ahead of what's going to, you know, yeah. what's coming around the corner, yeah. you know, what's going to go wrong. Um, and, um, Amanda is very much like Getty like that. Yeah. So I think, which I think you need a little of both. Mm-hmm. I think if you have too much of the never worrying, maybe, maybe, you know, I've told a man, I'm like, you wouldn't even let you and me live right now if it wasn't for me worrying about everybody. And so, um, I, you know, I think it's, it's a good, you know, it's a really good um, mix of both. And, um, but I think, you know, obviously being thankful for all the other things in my life, but my faith and my family by far. Yeah, that's awesome. So if after listening to this interview, you don't rush down to Railroad Drug right this moment with your transferred prescription, well, you're nuts. Not only does Ken give out his personal cell phone number to help you at your time of need, he also has staff to hand deliver your meds to you. It does not get any better. And now for my higher ground takeaways. Number one, never underestimate the power of personal touch and service in all your relationships, both personal and professional. Number two, be available. Position yourself in your relationships to really see others, to listen to them, to engage them in meaningful ways. Be ready to help when there's a need. Number three, go ahead, take the risk. You may never know what adventure awaits you unless you take that leap. 
Number four, stay grounded in life. Stop whining. I loved how Ken reminded us just how important our attitude is when we hit a bump or two in the road. Take the hit on the chin, learn, and move on. Number five, accountability is obviously critical in the pharmacy biz, but it's also critical in our Christian walk. We need each other. Number six, keep God number one in your life. You won't be sorry. Realizing it's all small stuff to him can be the pivot point to increasing our faith. And number seven, remember that God knows you by name. Do you know him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that you indeed know us by name, that you tend to us, and you even, quote, serve us by giving us your son. I thank you that you are always available for us 24-7. Help us to remember that we have so much to be grateful for. Increase our faith and help us to learn more about you with each bump we may hit during our life here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check out the show notes below for more information about Railroad Drug as well as the home place at Midway. Until next week, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.